Welcome back to part two of Podkiss 43, The Compilation Conundrum. Our next contestant is Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits from November yeah. 1988. Yeah, I'm surprised to hear Killers being drafted as the worst album cover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you might be on to something here. This is not one of my yeah. favorites. Yeah. I think, I think someone actually took newspaper pictures of the band and actually cut them out with scissors and physically pasted them on some red paper. <laughs> you might be on to something there. You can actually see the white lines around all of them. It's, yeah. Yes, but it's got a classic Paul Stanley inscrutable hand gesture. <laughs> you, now, you, never get a, you can never get enough of those. Now, if this were the Beatles, that would mean something. You know, it's right. the, the sign of life, or this is the fourth time that something happened, or a Paul clue to somebody's death, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is a very odd pose. It, you know, it's like, uh, you know, next he's going to do the windshield wipers over his eyes or whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I always thought he was commanding. I always thought he was commanding that sea of arms, that sea of dedicated arms by these, like, do this. And then all the arms go, oh, okay. That was always my thought. He I put, think it's, I think it's that works. <laughs> If you count his fingers, yeah, I believe that is the number of times that Paul Stanley has gotten to have a new song on a compilation um, up to that <laughs> up to that point, right? And and the fingers that Eric is holding up is the number of times that Gene has gotten to have a new song on a compilation <laughs> up to that point. So there's your Beatles-like clue. <laughs> and, I mean, God help him. Gene was sort of trying to approximate something tough. I love that the fact that there's like maybe it's just the fact that uh you know Gene's got a hand reaching for his crotch. <laughs> well, Paul does too, doesn't he? Yeah, Paul yeah. does too. Gene and Paul both do. That's a little right. little ball tickling going on. That was How probably come they were their, the only ones that were allowed to get groped. That was probably their main contribution there. They walked in, they said, "Hand on the dick," and off they go. You know? <laughs> so, smashes and thrashes and hits. We've got two new songs. Plus, Eric Carr singing Beth. Is this a must for your collection? Yes. Why? Because it has two new songs and Eric Carr singing Beth. Okay. And because that in and of itself, you know, I mean, these, you know, these are, X and Sex was kind of a hit, a little bit. A little you know, the bit. A little bit. Right? In, yeah. In what country? In what country? Um, you know, Kiss, Kisslandia. Um, X and Sex was actually a huge MTV hit. Yeah, it, it was, it was a good MTV video. Yeah, it made it made a tiny, tiny mark on the public's uh, consciousness, right? I mean, it, it kept Kiss sort of present at a time when you know, whatever. But it was in the it was in like the top ten like every day for the longest time on MTV. But that yeah. says it all. Yep. Yeah, but it was so weird that it was in the top ten on MTV, but not really on any album or radio stations that I, I heard at the time. It was a very strange disconnect. And that's kind of that's kind of similar to the seventies and Paola. <laughs> okay. so, so, so then you really think it was Paola, or was it rabid Kiss fans dialing up MTV? I was just going to say a bit of trivia. Did everybody know this is actually supposed to be Kiss's only Christmas album? Uh-huh. This was supposed to be their holiday compilation for the holidays that you could buy. Um, I don't, I don't know exactly when it was released, but I think it was late in the year. Yeah, well, it was. It was November. There was a talk show that was. Uh, you remember when Joan Rivers had a real short-lived talk show on, like, Fox? Fox, the, sure. Uh, there was even a shorter-lived talk show after that with some guy that I'd never heard of that these guys were on, that the, that Kit, Gene and Paul were on. That was one of the things that Gene mentioned. He said, we're doing a, a special compilation for Christmas. Because nothing I, you know says what? Christmas like Love Gun, right? Well, if you get the right girl. Well, yeah, that's but Here's the you thing. Know? Let's put let's put this record in context. This is kind of how I feel about this, especially... X and sex, which is just, I mean, horrifying. Um, <laughs> Kiss does this often. They've done it a few times in their career where they will travel down a road thinking that th- down this road lies bigger success. They did it with, you know, the whole dynasty, unmath, and then the elder cycle of albums that then they took that 
hairpin turn and came back with creatures. You look at that video for X and Sex, and you know Paul's not even wearing a guitar, and he's got that, he's holding that whip, and he's dancing around, and it was the the pinnacle of their sort of '80s pop glam, you know, road that they went down that started with Asylum, went on to Crazy Nights, and then and then this album, at least that those two singles, and I mean. X and Sex is ridiculous enough. Rock Hard, You Make Me Rock Hard, that is just unbelievable. That, well, that, that, one, went that, even, that one went I, even farther with the chain mail and Paul swinging out on the uh, on the trapeze. Yeah, so and he, so even though these things had some presence on MTV, <clears throat> you know, you see what they do the very next album. They kind of start to strip it back, start to get back to basic rock and roll with Hot in the Shade, but I, I think that... You know, in the wider context, this record was like, it really represented like, just, they'd just gone one step too far. Oh, are you guys? I I said something similar to this on The Elder, that that album was them hitting rock bottom. This kind of is the same. This is like Kiss Jovi Rat Poison. Um, (laughs) That it's one step lower than Crazy Nights in terms of what they were trying to emulate of you know what was kind of big at that time and it's one step too far which is why those two new songs are so dire that it, it, it's just like crazy nights on acid which is a terrible thing to go to i i will say this much that this week we are treated to a mcdonald's commercial that is featuring i was made for loving you i think that marketing execs somewhere should pay attention to this and uh, I think You Make Me Rock Hard would be the perfect song for Viagra. <laughs> right. Either that or a fiber mixture. <laughs> it, one of the things I noticed about this album, it was first off a big seller. Second thing is when I hear a lot of Kiss songs played on the radio, it seems like these are the versions that are played a lot. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, I think I think what happened was they inundated um, records. Uh, I think that they really flooded a lot of radio stations with this. And in fact, this was one of those records that um, hit hard on like the Columbia House and like you know all of those kind of like send away for a penny you can get eight records. A lot of people that I knew growing up had Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits who were not Kiss fans. It had a lot of good hits on it though. And I think that stands. Um Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits, for all the negatives that I've said about it, is the biggest selling album of the Unmasked Era. It's the only double double platinum certified album in the catalog from that period. And that's a sad statement. Wow. The drums alone on I Love It Loud, the toned-down drums alone, is enough reason for it to not be that. I mean, everything is pretty neutered. Well, I was I was wondering if I was the only one that would have noticed that, but you you guys all kind of feel that way when you hear songs on the radio that sometimes they play them from this. Oh sure, once, oh once, yeah, and it's obvious too. Well, I was I was wondering if I was the only one that would have noticed that, but you you guys all kind of feel that way when you hear songs on the radio that sometimes they play them from this. Oh sure, once oh once, yeah, and it's obvious too. Yeah, am I am I remembering right that some that like. Deuce is on this record, and it's the drums are like soaked in reverb. They're trying to bring it up to the Eric Carr drum sound. Am, am I remembering that right? No, you're remembering that absolutely right. They, they, okay. they put some effect on the guitar, like a flange or phaser, and they 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 did reverb the hell out of the drums. I got a question about the drums, actually. Am, am I right that some of the drums for one or two of the songs are are new versions? Like, did right. Eric? Re- Re-record the drums. Are you saying that mm-hmm. Kiss might have done a re-recording? Oh, right. No, but you know, you, you're hearing it, right? I mean, tell me, I'm not the only one. I don't know if it's due to remixing and adding, as you said, or whether, but it does sound different to me. You know, a lot of people um, got this album outside of America where the track listing was different, and when they heard the version of Deuce a bit later, uh, it was used on some Australian singles, uh, bonus EPs and whatnot. They actually thought it was a new version recorded around the time. Mm. Um, that's how different it does sound to the original version, yet it is, you know, just a remix of that version. That's true also for Rock and Roll All Night. I mean, once those drums start, it really is a, a, a substantial difference in, in how it's uh, mixed or EQ'd or both. You know, Paul said at the time that this 
this not only being the 15th anniversary of the band at the time it was uh, released, they really wanted to update update the sound of the songs to make it more contemporary. So it sounds like they did quite a bit of work in the studio uh, tweaking the knobs. Yeah. But it's just so weird. You'll hear the Eric Carr singing Beth version, and the DJ will be coming back like, hey, that was Kiss. And of course, that's Peter Chris singing a rare lead vocal there on a Kiss track. And it's like, Have oh, you heard that, huh? Really? You, you, many times. Wow. Many times. And it's like, if only Eric Carr wouldn't have worn his classic Catman makeup. I know, you know, that's, that's what really threw everybody. Gosh. <laughs> 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 All right, so do we talk about the big pink elephant in the room there? Yes. Okay. Sure. I really don't like this version of Beth. Really? No, I really don't like it, actually. Okay. The only thing worse than this version of Beth is Eric Singer singing Beth, but thank God he's never done that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I can't listen to it without thinking of the fact that Eric Carr didn't want to do it. It's hard. I, that, that really taints that for me. It doesn't. It sounds like... Like I, I can't listen to it without seeing him being like, ah, shit, do I really have to do this? Yeah, I would agree with that. And it's one of those things where before it happened, it's, you know, it's like the, um, it's like the record store conversation. You're like, wow, wouldn't it be weird to hear Eric Carr sing something like Beth? You know, and then it happened. <laughs> you know, they actually right. did it. Like, oh, my God, it was, I, I wish that had stayed in my brain and not, like, actually on a record that came out. Yeah. You know, God bless Eric Carr. You know, I wish he was still around so that you could get him on this show and really ask him about it because I don't doubt he wouldn't be in the band anymore. Um, but in the 80s, he was seeing Black Diamond in concert and Young and Wasted. Why couldn't they have re-recorded one of those with him? Why did it have to be a song that's, you know, important to history and important to Peter? Why did it have to be Beth? And exactly, exactly. I, I, I just don't, I, I don't like it. I never liked it for that reason. I thought it was, in terms of a technical performance of the song, perfectly adequate. But it wasn't Peter, and it just seemed wrong to do that, especially when there's so little of Ace on this album as well. Right. And especially with Eric Carr being such a different drummer, and the band promoting that he was such a different drummer, too. To bring him back to that seemed like the wrong move at the time. You're celebrating 15 years of history by re-recording what was, yeah. at that time, um, probably their biggest American hit with their newer drummer. So I, I understand Eric's desperation to get on an album vocally, but uh, I wish it hadn't been that way. Does right. it almost seem worse, too, that uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but I remember when it came out that Paul was, I don't know if it was bragging, but he said that Eric Carr sat in the same on the same stool that Peter Chris recorded Beth on? That just sounds like weak justifications of something that he knew was wrong. Well, it's almost <laughs> worse. It's almost like, well, why would you do that? <laughs> yeah. I remember reading something years later where I think Eric called Peter and said, look, I'm really feeling bad about this. And Peter was like, look, it's, you know, it's Kiss. This kind of crap happens. Like, don't, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Um, but but yeah, you know what it is? It's the it's for me it's the sonic equivalent of the second cover to Creatures of the Night. You know, it's like this unnecessary upgrade uh to promote the current lineup where you're tarnishing something that is so classic and you should leave it alone. Well, I guess I'm the dissenting voice. Uh, to me it didn't bother me then, it doesn't bother me now. I do agree with you that it was kind of useless, but as a uh I just kind of like having different things. Like, a lot of America, some people were complaining about the re-records. To me, it's just cool to have, you know what I mean? Uh, so, I guess I'm the dissenting voice on that. Uh, to me, there was no... I don't remember an outrage at the time. The re-records were new performances of songs, you know, like they, like the, the, they re-recorded everything, uh, you know, like... When when the band plays Strutter, that's you know that's what it sounds like. Or they didn't, I know they didn't re-record that song, but you you get what I'm saying. Like right. And, and in a sense, if you know this, I guess a lot of people may disagree with that with this as well. But like if they had re-recorded Beth, you know today, using the arrangement with the acoustic guitars that they're doing live on stage, or, or now, something different than the actual backup at, track. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, somehow Eric Singer doing it the, with the with the way they're doing it with the guitars on stage today um, bothers me less because it's you know for the benefit of the audience it's a it's something different. Um, you know, this just has it's like it's Beth, but you know we took Peter out, we put Eric in, like here's Kiss, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right, it's cool, it's novel, it's nice that we have like I don't know we have Eric preserved for posterity. He does have a nice voice. He sang it very well. I never need to listen to it. Are you guys surprised that they didn't actually do this in concert with Eric Carr? No. They, they, that was never going to happen. If there was ever a time where they would have done it, it would have been then because, you know. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, like, like, Let's say that this would have been released as a single by popular demand, you know, that kind of, that old thing. Uh, it could have led to that. And I'm surprised that they, I mean, if they were going to do go to the extent of like, okay, we're going to take this song back or whatever, I'm surprised they didn't go to that level. I think, I think, I mean, we've seen it sort of, sort of tongue and cheekly, you know, dramatized in that that Kiss special on A and E. But I think the only reason, well, you know what, I'm going to take that back. Now I'm even thinking one step ahead that they go, they go to Eric Singer and go, Eric. Pretend like you are wanting to sing Beth. You're asking us to sing Beth so that we have an excuse for you to sing Beth as opposed to Paul and Gene going, hey, Eric Singer, you're going to sing Beth on stage. Yeah, but the, here's the difference, okay? I, I, I understand what you're saying. And I, I, Eric Eric Singer has, has performed Beth live before. And Eric Singer was a Kiss fan back in the day. Yeah. Eric Carr was not collecting Kiss records. He wasn't going to Kiss concerts. And he's, he had never performed Beth in front of an audience. You know, I mean, so so this is that thing of like, you know, there's some kind of tie-in there. I mean, there's some sense of um, fandom when you're talking about Eric Singer versus, you know, Eric Carr. I mean, he joined Kiss four years after Beth came out. Well, I think the the uh, the Eric Carr vocal Beth is all is more of an issue of control on the part of Gene and Paul saying this is. I think even especially then when they were really trying to brand themselves in the 80s, if you could call them, you know, a, a, you know, a metal band, even though it was not metal in the classic sense. But they were they were trying to align themselves with that ilk, the, the Motleys, the, you know, the Rats and the Poisons and all that kind of stuff, to then have come out with the greatest hits package where their greatest hit was this piano ballad that neither one of them wrote or sang. I think there was probably some, you know, impulse on their part to go, okay, we have to put this on here, but we're going to kind of, brand it in a way that makes it modern for us, you know, and the way to do that is to have the, the, the current drummer sing it. Yeah. I, I, you know, yes. And I think that, um, a lot of things get accused of being slaps in the face to Peter. I, I, I don't think that the current drummer wearing his makeup is a slap in the face to Peter intentionally. I don't think that, you know, um, a lot of the other things like, I don't know, Paul wearing a cross on stage on a T-shirt was a slap in the face to Peter. This felt like a slap in the face to Peter. Well, to me as a fan, again, being the dissenting voice on this one, it didn't seem like so much a slap in the face to Peter. It seemed to me, I always imagined that the record company probably said, you're not putting Beth on it. And how could they have put a guy that's not in the band anymore on a new Greatest Hits album? That's what that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. They okay. they they were involved in branding themselves at every step. Like this is Kiss now. This is who we are now. And if they were on any level pressured, and I probably don't think they were all. They, nobody had to twist Gene and Paul's arm to put this song on the record. I wonder about that. I honestly do because if they didn't like the song, how did it wind up here? I mean, was it that like you know, I just. I, to me, I just can't imagine Gene and Paul saying, we have to put Beth on this album. I just can't imagine. Everything I know about them or imagined about them, I just can't imagine that happening. I just, you know, I, also, I, don't, I just don't think that those two guys are the types of musicians that, that are going to get into a pissing contest with you know, the A&R department at Polygram. You know, right. if, if, if Polygram says, hey, maybe you should do this, those guys are in a way so professional that they're not even going to get into a, a, a fight about it. They're going to go, okay, the record company wants this, so how do we make it work for us uh, right. you know, now? See, that's kind of what I'm thinking as well, but I have no proof. So. That, it, you know, that it wasn't so much of a, like a, 
a jab or a dig that it was more just like this is how we stay afloat? Well, that and I really can't imagine a record company saying we're going to have greatest hits without that song on the album. But you know what? You, you look less than a year later or maybe just about a year later, they're making a video in which they're putting makeup on, you know, at the same time as they're doing interviews saying like a reunion. Why would we do that? Right. You know, you get, you get like a year later after Eric does Beth, the rise to it video. And right. it's kind of like, hey, we're Kiss, we're, you know, we, we're the band that wore the makeup, and here's Remember a Remember us? Right, and a big tour where we're playing a lot of the older material with a giant stage show because we're reclaiming the title. They could have put the Peter Chris version and just, it would yeah, have still... Yeah, but dude, been you, you're thinking about the press wars at the time. I mean, anybody that was reading magazines back at that time, you you had... Pete doing an interview, and you had Gene and Paul doing interviews, and you had Ace doing an interview. Those guys did not like each other. And I believe at the time when any of the four of them said no to a reunion, I think that they actually meant it. At this yeah, time, Pete, right, but I, where were Pete, they Peter's really interviews. Pete's interviews were in, like, Correct. Fi- 1988. Fire, okay, right, but Firehouse Magazine, you know, the fanzine that you and I got or something, you know, mm-hmm. that's... That's mostly where you would read a Peter Chris interview. And that's not a slight against Peter Chris. It's just how it is. Kiss interviews were still in, you know, Hit Parade and Rock right. magazines and stuff like that. Right, 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 right. They clearly had more traction in the, in, in the public eye. Um, you know, this was a, a chance to, I don't know, extend the olive branch without, you know, they, they it, one but thing that's consistent throughout rock history is that you, you can be the nice guy and still, uh, uh, Come out on top, you know. They could have, uh, whatever. I mean, it's fine that they did, and I'm, not, you know, I don't blame them, and it, it, it's there's no shame in it. But they could have said, you know, we're including this as an homage to our past. Yeah, I mean, Peter, you know, Paul Stanley can spin anything. Yeah, I can just hear him saying like, this is a picture of where we were in the past, and this is where we are in the present with Eric. And yeah, I I know the. You know what? They'd already put out, um, what is that? What's the long form video exposed, right? I mean, tons and tons of vintage material on that. In fact, Peter singing Beth was on that. Uh, meanwhile, Eric got a, you know, what, like five seconds of running up or down a flight of stairs, right? That was like about the <laughs> No, really, you know, I mean, or, or the girl saying like, where's Eric? You know, I can't find him or something. You know, and, and maybe they're making up to him by, by allowing him to sing Beth on this. I don't know, but. Yeah, here, do something you don't want to. Right. <laughs> All right. I think we've talked this one to death, but so then let's go around the room. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Joe Casey this time. I'm gonna say thumbs down. The new songs are horrible, and and you know, and it's just it's it's a curiosity, but it's not an essential. Julian Gill. I'm gonna go thumbs down. I started out with the uh European version which had Crazy Nights and Reason mm-hmm. to Live, which in addition to those two new songs in the re recording are just dire. Okay. Roland? Do you remember at the beginning of this conversation that we all said you did have to have it because it had two new songs that Eric yeah. Had to <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now that we've and talked that about it, it's not so essential. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll go against the grain on this one. I will say as as far as history goes, this is Absolutely. There's that word again. An essential compilation to have. You've got to have it. And I will say it's a must-buy. you got remixes of Dr. Love, Strutter, a new version of Beth, remix of Rock and Roll Night, remix of Shout Out Loud, remix of Detroit Rock City, remix of I Love It Loud, remix of Love Gun, and two brand new songs. So I'd say it's a, it's a keeper. It's a must-have. It's part of history. It, it's a snapshot of where they were in all kinds of ways. Politically and, you know, in, in the politics of the band, these are two songs you, you don't get elsewhere. It's two more Kiss songs, you know. Go for it. And, and if you really need a reason to justify owning it, go out and buy the picture disc version. There you go. There's a go. nice 1976 picture of the band on it. So, we, so our panel splits on whether you should own Smash and Thrash as a hit. Thumbs up in favor of. Three to two. She didn't sign her name, she wore her 
Okay, our next album, uh, we skip ahead a bit. You wanted the best, you got the best. You wanted the best, you got the best. A brand new compilation album featuring never-before-released live tracks and photos. And an amazing bonus interview with Ace, Peter, G, and Paul. Hot on the heels of the reunion from June 1996. What's real, what's fake, and it's the first uh, Kiss album to feature Jay Leno. <laughs> More importantly, it's the last album to feature Jay Leno. <laughs> what is so weird, <clears throat> now how long is that? It's like, what, 17 minutes or something? 17 minutes, yeah. Talk about filler. <laughs> There's one part in that where, you know, they go, you know, a Jay, Jay Nolan is like, eh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it's like in the vault. You know, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's you know, how he rattles on like that. Holy shit. But, Great uh, Jay Leno, by the way. Yeah, well, yeah. Thank you, you know, thank you. Anyway, when he's talking about that these songs came from the vault, you almost, like, can hear him, like, you know, you guys are bullshitting the people. I know you are. I mean, it's there. Ken, are you suggesting? I think I'm he's alluding to something. You know, Jay Leno says it's from the vault. So, uh, you know, it's the thing. Ken, do you mean to say that these are not raw... Kevin Eubanks, ladies and gentlemen. 1975-77 We are tracks. as serious as serious can be. Are, are you trying to tell me that these aren't just as real as any, like you, like bringing a tape recorder to a concert? My tour manager, Frankie Scalao, hell of a guy. Hi, Frankie. I, I, I'm telling you that the something is off with some of these rare tracks. Whatever could that be? I, I like this compilation because of how happy it made me when it came out. I'm and I have with that. I, you know, right? Because it was such a great time. It was so super exciting. Um, I mean, what was better? You know, like they, they were they were back. It really was was going great. You know, big sales on the tickets and bringing this thing. I, I couldn't see them that summer. I was actually working the whole summer and bringing this compilation to work and listening to it over and freaking over again. I don't care how fake 
any of it was. It was so important to have it. It was so super exciting. And that interview was great too. By the way, I'm I'm looking at the track listing and I noticed that on track thirteen, Kiss Tells All, which weighs in at seventeen minutes and thirty four seconds, Jay Leno is listed as the writer. <laughs> it's the so, funniest funniest thing here. No. Holy God, mother of God, Jay Leno got a writing credit on a Kiss album. That's Just cool. The royalties he collects on that. Right. Well, you know, I go out and buy a bike every so often from that. You know, <laughs> you could buy some polish for his cars collection. Yeah, you know, it's a bit of polish. <laughs> Kevin Eubanks, ladies and gentlemen. Polish the old hood ornament. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we got four new tracks: Room Service, Two Timer, Let Me Know, and Take Me. And this is one of the weird things about Kiss. They're one of the few bands that can get away with putting out a greatest hits of their live albums. Right, uh, of which some of the material actually was played live, I believe. Some. Some. So, yeah. In the studio. Yes, <laughs> but that's besides the point. Well, I so, think we could all agree that it was previously unreleased. We could all agree on that. Same with the Leno interview. Well, let's cut to the chase. I mean, the new, the four new live tracks. I mean, I, I was always under the impression that, uh, you know, we can, let's put coyness aside. Those are old live tracks that they re-recorded guitars and vocals on. Right? Is that sort of understood, or is it even more than that? Well, let me let me read from a wealth of information called Kiss Fact. Let Me Know was built on source material recorded in Detroit, Michigan. Track length is 3 minutes and 36 seconds because the song had circulated for so long, having been part of the 1975 King Biscuit broadcast. Comparison between the vocal tracks is more obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, isn't, isn't it Columbus, Ohio? I don't I thought I thought it was Ohio, too, actually. Julian? Um, I'm stunning about what I, what I uh, wrote previously. Because the For King, King Biscuit? Biscuit? King Biscuit is not. King Biscuit was uh, Wildwood and, I believe, uh, Detroit. Two Timer was built on source material recorded in Detroit, Michigan. Like Take Me, it is likely that Paul did some vocal work on his track in 1996 since the style of vocal delivery is not similar to how he sounded in 1975. Oh, not at all. I mean, yeah, it's nothing like it. Yeah, this is 1996 Paul singing, and, and Gene as well. And, you know. Yeah, yeah, both of them. It's, it's all yeah. new vocals. Then we have Room Service, which is built on source material recorded in Davenport, Iowa, in 1975. Since this would be the first song on the album, the Alive 2 band introduction was pasted on the beginning of the song, making the track length 3 minutes and 40 seconds. One of the biggest debates in fan circles is how much work was done to the archive recordings of this release on this album. According to Ace, I was in the studio once, just singing on room service, just fixing my part. The vocal was weak on it, so I just strengthened it. I don't think Paul and Gene did much overdubs because it went real quick. We were more concerned with getting it the right mix. The problem was we were under so much pressure, rehearsing and trying to concentrate on a new show, and all of a sudden the record company wanted us to put out two new tracks on it, too, as a bonus. We said no. Just to expand on one thing I think Gary said was... It was the reunion, and it was really exciting, and throughout the years, we've all loved the covers on all these albums, and we had the four faces, but it was almost new artwork. It, it looked almost a little computer artworky that that four faces there, but yeah. right below it, you've got the very original logo mm-hmm. that you see on the Alive cover and all that, so um, as far as artwork for a compilation, this actually works pretty well because it's new and old. Yes. I would agree with that. This is fantastic art. This is like the originals for 1996. Exactly. Yeah, I would, I would actually, you know, def- I mean, not that, that needs defending, but in retrospect, I like that, you know, 1996 vocals on those really obscure live songs. You know, I think it's cool that Gene actually hauled his big ass into the studio and sang two timers. <laughs> In 1996, I think that's uh, I like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, say what you will, but I think from the from Carnival of Souls on, you know, you've had a Gene who's pretty much willing to to sit around and do everything or nothing, uh, you know, for Kiss if it's going to move the band forward. And um, you know, I mean, I I, I I may get crap for saying that, but I've I've never ever questioned since you know since about '95 that Gene is is involved. You know, at that time in particular, I mean, when you when you watch the behind the scenes footage um, and you see that he's sitting there, you know, through everybody's photo sessions and every you know every meeting and everything that has to be done and recorded and said and blah blah blah. Yes, he's a control guy, but he's also just really wants it to go well, I think. Well, as anybody would who owns their own business. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. No, the one, the one thing. But I would, I would agree with that. It's, I, I think he did have a, a bit of a renewed passion for it. I think he rediscovered a little bit of passion for the band at this point. I do agree with you on that, Gary. Julian, in this was also released in Japan. Was that a double disc set? No, it was a single disc, but it came with a bonus track of uh, New York Groove, re- recorded live in Australia in 1980 with Eric Carr. Yeah. Actually, what I want to play here, speaking of that, is that that was uh, also a blockbuster video um, promo that they put out. It was like a two-track CD single um, to sell and you know to promote and sell the compilation. And the one really unique thing about it that makes it worth uh, you know grabbing if you can is what we're about to play, which <coughs> is the band kind of introing this live rare bonus track. And um, you know you get, you get to hear all four of them talking, and it's kind of fun to listen to. So here it is. We don't announce ourselves, right? Okay. Hey, thanks for coming to Blockbuster to pick up our new album. Now here's a live rare bonus track. One guy's live rare, rare bonus track. Yeah. Okay. With a motion. Ready? Gene, you got the first one? Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming into Blockbusters. And here's a live rare bonus guy, track. Pick up our new album, Gene. Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming into Blockbusters to pick up our new album. And a live rare it's bonus Black track. Buster, excuse me, Gene. Singular. What, what are you doing with the hand with me? I'm giving you the thing like when I stop so that you okay. can, so there's no yeah. thank you. You have to say something like and here's and, okay. And here's a, a live rare bonus and track. And here's a live rare bonus track. Okay. Hi everyone, thanks for coming to Blockbuster to pick up our new album. And here's a live rare bonus track. Good. Now hey, get out. Okay, now pronounce this now. Pronounce this now. Here's a live rare bonus track. <laughs> Should have did that. <laughs> Here's a live rear bonus track. Luke's on it too. <laughs> yes, I'm going to go back and correct myself about Let Me Know. That is Cleveland, by the way, not Detroit, for uh, King Biscuit Alive. Just looking yeah. that up. and uh, I think the way I wrote that on the FAQ is um, if you go back and listen to these King Biscuits recordings, particularly Let Me Know, you really hear the difference between Paul's vocal circa 1975 and that which he did in 1996 for the, the re-recording. You know, the, the guitar parts also sound different. Like Ace's tone is so distinctive on Kiss Alive, and on those tracks it does sound very different. Um, the King Biscuit stuff, no. I mean, you know, like that version of Let Me Know is the same guitar tone as what's on the finished product of Alive. You know what I'm saying? There's something just weird. It doesn't sound like Kiss Alive when you listen to Let Me Know and Room Service and Two Timer. Yeah, but as we know now from these like video game mixes of the Alive stuff, mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty easy for it to sound very different, except for the except for the vocals, which are you know really obvious. It's right. uh, a little a little bit harder to nail down some of the musical uh, nuances that may have been changed or could be changed through a mix. That's true. That's true. A little spare note here. Uh, executive producer Jason A. Lynn and the production coordinator Tommy Thayer. All right. There you go. Well, there's, that's the explanation for your guitar tone. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Julian, we'll start with you. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Should it be a buy? You know, this one's a thumbs up. It represents a, a really cool time in history. We have the original four guys back together. We get a new release, uh, which for me in England came in a uh, funky red cassette case mm-hmm. um, with some rare tracks, which uh, were in nice condition, even though they sounded a little weird. So it definitely add it to your collection. Plus, if you're a Jay Leno fan. Right, right. You know, well, what better way to celebrate them both at the same time? I mean, this is the <laughs> best... This is the best occurrence of, of both of them on a record. By the way, I want to say something. I was at the Indie Expo this year, and there was a really weird thing going on in the uh, hotel at the same time. There was a Pepsi convention there as well. Now, you haven't lived until you've seen a Pepsi convention. This is not a slam against anybody or anything, but those people get pretty damn wild. Do they really? Yeah, uh, we're walking, you know, past rooms and there's like techno Pepsi parties and like women all decked out in Pepsi colors and stuff. It's very strange. But the weird right. thing was is that I was sitting in the lobby with a few Kiss fans and we were talking and there was these Pepsi fans sitting there talking as well. 
And this this elderly guy says, "So you're here with that uh, rock and roll thing, right?" And I said, "Yeah, you know the the, the Kiss convention." He says, "Yeah, yeah, I, I you know I kind of remember them." And I said, uh, "And you're here because?" And he said, "The Pepsi convention, which it was me being a smartass because the guy literally was decked out from head to toe and nothing. He he actually had Pepsi tennis shoes. You know what I'm saying?" And and we found common ground because of the Joy Kiss. Of yes, the Joy of Pepsi Kiss commercial. Which, oddly enough, you could buy on DVD in both places. <laughs> what are the odds of that happening? Only at a Dr. Pepper convention could you maybe do the same thing. Well, Dr. Pepper is a Pepsi product. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean the Pepsi convention had, like, dealer tables where you could buy DVDs and stuff? Yeah, of Pepsi commercials. <laughs> That's amazing. It's like the, it's like the WonderCon of... Uh, <laughs> Pepsi. That's fantastic. It was such a surreal moment. I'm talking to this old man and woman about, uh, you know, our, our 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 shared passions of you know things that we like, and that was our common ground. Was the the Pepsi commercial? It was very strange. Joe, what do you think about this compilation? Is it a thumbs up or thumbs down? Oh, I big thumbs up. Big thumbs up. Cool. Rolling. Thumbs up. Gotta have it. Thumbs up from me and Gary. Absolutely must have magic time in history. Wonderful time. Is this even in print anymore? No, I believe it's uh, out of the catalog. So sucks to be you if you ain't got it, folks. Okay. Now we're getting into the really spotchy areas. Up next is The Greatest Kiss, November 1996. Since it had been a few months since Kiss had released a Greatest Hits compilation, it was time from June to November, it was time to put out a brand new compilation. And, and you know, uh, here yeah, we I, have Shout It Out Loud from Tiger Stadium Live, brand new. The Shout It Out Loud makes it worth buying. Uh, also, depending on which version of Greatest Kiss you have, like there's a foreign version with a different track listing, but I don't remember which one is which. There were some things <laughs> like Plastercaster was on there and like Two Sides of the Coin, so that kind of made it cool. But I, but the, you know the one thing just to back up for a little bit in that in that time between Smashes Thrashes and you wanted the best, a lot of the product that came out was still rehash. Like you know you had the one. Studio album or you know, I guess two studio albums, but um, you know, I mean, you had what Alive Three, you had um, Kiss My Ass, right, and then you had the um, MTV Unplugged, and and I remember my friend uh, Charlie saying, "Gee, are they going to put out an album that doesn't have Domino on it at some point?" Uh, because it just good. got to that point, you know, it got to that point. But you know, it, I guess. Uh, I guess, yeah, this is where it starts to just be like enough with the compilations already. You know, Greatest Kiss was uh, kind of the right album at the wrong time. It's a sampler of the catalog being remastered for the first time. They were mm-hmm. starting to go back and fix a lot of the things that have been problem or been problematic on the original Polygram CD issues. So that was the idea behind it. But in terms of product for a tour, it's a perfect sampler of the career. You know, it first came out in Europe, Mexico, Australia, Japan, again, most non-North American markets. And it really was um, a good updating of um, a compilation that really spanned the whole career of the band. And, of course, it took that great artwork concept from Shikara and put the guys in makeup back in there. That's true. It is a great cover. Roland, you have any thoughts? Uh, I kind of think no on this one, I, although... I just never really paid attention to it, quite honestly. Um, but I, there's nothing really on there I would have to have. To me, I'd give it a yes only because it's got Shout Out Loud on it. That's the only reason to buy it in my mind. So if you're a completist and you want the the track, this is how you get it. Now, is this in print? No. So, again, sucks to be you if you didn't get it. Uh, Gary? Yeah. 
I mean, at this point, no, because the you know you can get that song on the box set and. Yeah. At the time, well, yes. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Now that I mention it, yeah, at the time, yes. But now that song's on the box set. So if you're completed, you have that as well. Right. So. so now we're getting into the what I call the Death Valley days, where these things are being puked out <laughs> at a rate of every six months, it seems. Uh, it, it takes a while for the next one to pop up. Uh, but we're just going to skip ahead to the very best of KISS, August 2002. Non-makeup material starts appearing on compilations again. You want the best? You got the best. The very best of KISS. 21 hits, one killer new CD. In stores now. To me, there's no reason to have this album. The only reason I have this album is because I got it for free by calling in when Gene and Paul were on the radio. <laughs> you know, it was like a, you know, one of those things where I think like Bob Coburn or Redbeard or whoever it was was like, one caller is going to get a copy of this record, blah, 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 blah. And I, I got it. So, uh, it's a great interview, by the way, that one. Uh, I mean, the, yeah, the only thing remarkable about this compilation is go listen to the interview that Gene and Paul did on Rockline when it came out. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. Yeah. Does anyone think that anyone should buy the best, the very best of Kiss from August 2002? Well, no. I think I think you've got to say yes because mm-hmm. it's ne- it's nearly gold certified so it's one of the few albums in the last uh 20 years to actually approach the gold plateau so go out and buy it. Hmm. Okay. So we have one voice saying pick it up. Now we go to the Millennium Collection. From August 2003, because it had been almost a whole year without a greatest collection or compilation coming out. Uh, this one, 1970s material, usual stuff. Anyone think this is a must-buy? It was well-timed because they were back on the road after, you know, three years of not, basically not touring, um, excluding the 2001 shows. Um, right, and so like there's kind of a new lineup. You, you had the symphony thing that happened a few <coughs> months earlier. Um, you know, August was when they started the U.S. tour. Um, right, I think it was August second. That's right. Yeah, around Jones Beach and whatnot. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and and um, you know, so I guess this was kind of a fun part of that. But you know, aside from that, no. And it's interesting because the cover art was the reunion lineup. Um, at a time when that had fallen apart. Yeah, so, it's kind of weird. Yeah, bittersweet. And yet, this album probably has nothing to do with Kiss whatsoever. You know, right. the Millennium collections were being issued from everyone, from James Gang to ABBA at the time. Mm-hmm. They were just a, yet another universal repackaging. So, you know, it's easy to read into it. Uh, you know, that they were, the band were going on tour, that the band had Symphony coming out on a different record label. But uh, the reality is, is that it's just a piece of general universal product to get people to shell out five to seven bucks for a CD. And it worked. I I, I own it. <laughs> so you is there really anybody? See why though? You can really see why there's so many compilations out there. Very best of Kiss sold over half a million. This album, Best of Kiss: The Millennium, sold three hundred thirty thousand copies. Unbelievable. For every Kiss fan who bitches that there have been too many compilations and that they're garbage, number one, Kiss has very little to do with them. Number two, they sell. So they sure do. And, and end of topic right there, really. No, it's like what you were well, saying. Well, I guess we can stop the show right now then. <laughs> Thanks for killing the momentum. <laughs> no, but it's like, no, Julian, you're right. Because, you know, in the sense of like what you were saying last time about, you know, fans complaining about the set lists, right? Like, yes, the diehards want to hear the, you know, the rare stuff. And similarly, the diehards don't need to go out and buy another compilation. But you know what? The only reason they're complaining is because they're diehards and they feel compelled to buy it anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I bitch about these uh, compilations. How many copies of Millennium Best of Volume 1 do I have? I've got like three of them. I've got the Digipack. I've got the regular. I've got some one made for, you know, export. You know, so, you sure, I run a website, so I've got that excuse that I can try and lamely use. But, uh, but honey, you know, it's I'll, research. I'll, yeah, absolutely. You know, why are you spending another seven bucks on Kiss? I mean, but, 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 you already but, have that stuff. It might have a different version on it. 
<laughs> but no, it doesn't. Um, but they do sell. And anyone who listens to the radio, they're going to go, oh, yeah, kiss. All right, five bucks, I'll buy it. And, you know, th- over 300,000 people did buy this volume one. Well, I was going to say, what, compare those sales. What, what, what are the sales so far of Sonic Boom? Less than Millennium Volume 1. Exactly. The odd thing is is that Sonic Boom material price sell more on the next Greatest Hits album <laughs> than it actually did. And that says a lot about the record-buying public today. That's yes. A whole, that's a whole new treadmill of records uh, putting out. Kiss, like, we had to put out new albums. We could put out new best-of collections so they could actually fucking sell. That's great. Well, uh, Joe, at- stop. Stop, Joe. Quarter in the swear jar. <laughs> now. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, but you also, you also have to factor in, you can also factor in the fact that you could buy the Millennium Collection and Kiss Gold and Very Best of Kiss and Kiss, you know, Kiss whatever at any retail store. You could buy Sonic Boom at Walmart. Right. That's true. I don't, I don't know what they're planning to do next time around. I think in 2000 and, you know, the, the fourth quarter reports for Target and Walmart now show that Target's ahead. Don't be surprised if uh, the next record's a Target exclusive, right? You know, they'll go where the money is. That's Target, I believe. Is right, yeah, of course. Right, right. So the, the Millennium Collection Volume 1 came out in August 2003. It had been a few months, and so we're now to June 2004. The sequel, Millennium Collection 2, and that featured some 80 materials from Creatures Through Hot in the Shade. Yeah, and I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, thumbs up. Thumbs down. Uh, you know, it was Christmas, and um, you know, one of someone someone said like, "Hey, what do you want for Christmas?" You know, and and like what I didn't want was like what they were gonna come up with on their own. <laughs> you know, like, not the socks you got me last year. So you know, hey, Kiss have a new compilation out. This will do. It'll make the other ones move over. Anybody else think it should be bought? You know, this one has a great picture on the cover. It's got That's the shikara. It's got the shikara symbol for the third time, and you know, which is like a, a greatest hits of covers. Now you're actually, <laughs> if you're going to try and do a concise 1980s compilation and that's all you want to listen to, then by all means go out and get this one. Like the first first volume, this one's been reissued. So you know what? It sold as well. Do you need to have it? Um, anyone listening to this show probably does not. Okay. You know what? I, I just want to look for a second, though, as we're talking about this, right? So um, does it have Gene songs from non-makeup material? Um, uh, he I, didn't write any songs out of makeup. Uh, uh, actually, uh, not a one. Not a one. And Not a one. Yeah. Pisses me off. It pisses me off because I don't care. I'll go to my grave saying that, you know, while the city sleeps, murder in high heels, uh, you know, secretly cruel are just as good as uh, all night. In fact, maybe better and whatever. Gary's got a sign and in protest, he'll be standing outside of the Menlo Park Mall from two to three this coming Saturday. Right. Come on down and I'll, enjoy the protest. I'll stand next to him with a sign that says trial by fire. Maybe there you go. Great song. Great song. Right. Should have been a single. Absolutely. So then we're, uh, you know, it's it's been just a few months now, and the, we've, we've we've got Millennium <laughs> Collection one and two from June we uh, 2004, but it's now October 2004, and we have to put out Kiss Gold. The neat thing about this, it's the first time I'm a Legend Tonight is officially released in the United States of America, and it also includes the radio single of Radioactive without the creepy intro, and it also includes a DVD of Kiss Exposed. Right. If you get what's called Kiss Gold Sound and Vision. Yes. And that was, uh, that was something worth getting. That's, that's cool. It, I think it was the first time that Exposed was on DVD, right? Uh, it, uh officially, yeah. 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 So yeah, is it good, worth getting? Yeah. Good compilation. I don't know. What do you think? I think, I think, uh, just for Exposed on DVD and, uh, it was a heavy set list. You know, it was like 40 tracks. Yeah. It, it's a, actually a pretty darn good set. You know, for the first time in several years, what you get is a piece of quality product. It's, Number one, two discs and a DVD. It's nicely packaged. Um, Content-wise, it covers a broad spectrum of the band, so it's certainly much better than Millennium. Right. Okay. Joe? I'd give it a thumbs up. It's kind of like it. 
it's sort of like the modern day double platinum. It's got it's it's got some scope and some breadth. It's you know, and the DVD is kind of a nice thing to add to it. So yeah, I, I, this one's worth having. Okay, now we're going to jump ahead a bit, uh, and we're going to go to the Millennium Collection Volume Three. We're, we're skipping some things, but we're just kind of hitting what we feel are the most important things to talk about. So we're looking at the Millennium Collection Volume 3 from October 2006, which has an eclectic song selection spanning Revenge, Carnival, and Psycho Circus. It also includes... As I'm looking at that, I'm sorry to interrupt. As I'm looking at that, I realized that when we were talking about Volume 1, I said that it had a picture of the reunion era uh, on, on the cover. That's not true. I was thinking of this one. But it is the same four people, you know. Still, still weird that they were using that in 2003, but you know, gone. Well, this is 2006 that they're using that. Right, even stranger. Right, but again, not the current band making that decision. Yeah. So it has nothing can keep me from you from the Detroit Rock City soundtrack. So at the time, this might have been a good reason to buy that, or had the box set come out at this point? It had. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, then skips. Uh, I like it actually. Um, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever played it. Ha! What? <laughs> what an endorsement. <laughs> I'll buy this, but I won't play the damn thing. No, I like the, I like the idea of it. I think that there's some really cool, like, you know, there's some heavy stuff on here. Like, Unholy's on here. Hate is on here. Childhood's End. Uh, you know, and then you get, like, great. Nothing Can Keep Me From You, another. Yeah, real hard hitting song. songs, like, Nothing Can Keep Me From You. No, but you get, like, Into the Void, Psycho Circus, you know, and, and then a great unplugged version of Got to Choose and Coming Home. Like, there's some good quality material. Yes, it's, you know, might as well just go out and buy those records, but it's still cool to see material from Carnival of Souls on a compilation. So. And it's I, nice. If someone doesn't want to buy the box set, there's some essential tracks there that you're not getting on other things. So, in a sense. Right, right. Yeah, you, get, you, you get the well, radio edit of Psycho Circus. I mean, so you don't have that stupid circus intro, which is, you know, fantastic. That's not true. This is true. Wait, it's fantastic that you don't have it? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I, I didn't get Volume 1 and Volume 2, so I just thought I'd never get caught up in the story, so I just skipped it. <laughs> this coming from a film producer, see? You can't start on Part 3 of a trilogy, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> is there a Star Wars joke in there somewhere? I think Jedi is a fine film, and so is Re- Revenge of the Sith. I'm moving right along. Okay. And then it comes, we're, we're, we're talking about icons from October 2008. Very cool compilation with unique packaging perspective. One disc for each of the founding members of KISS with some very interesting track choices. Gentlemen, your thoughts, Julian Gill. You know, this one just seemed like a tie-in with perfume with the cover. It, it did look a lot like KISS him and her perfume. And I bought it. Not the perfume, that is. <laughs> Um, but in terms of what you're looking at track-wise, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. You've got all the albums. Do you really need four CDs of this stuff narrowed down? No, you don't. But is it a good broad, you know, cross section of the catalog? Yeah. So um, would I say to anyone buy it only if you don't have any Kiss albums? Okay, we'll go to Mr. Joe Casey. I, I agree with that. If it, the, the track listing is is so. There is a, a, a lot of material on these things. If you've never heard Kiss, never heard their records, and wanted to really have a nice, healthy dose of what the band has been about, this is probably, oddly enough, this late in the game. This is probably the best you're going to get, you know. So, you know, it's uh, for anyone who knows and, and likes Kiss, no. But for for the uninitiated. This might be the one that I would get them. If they were willing to put the time in, uh, there's a lot of payoff with this one, you know. Okay. Roland? Good packaging. Well, I disagree on the packaging. I'll tell you why. There's not, there's not an actual holder for the disc. It's that the disc on cardboard crap, which I hate. I, I like the, the concept of the cover out. That cover. I will agree 100% on, but that's, I hate that's the, it. I just hate the fact that they're putting DVDs and CDs and stuff out where you actually slide the disc onto cardboard. It's just it's Plastic not good. bad for the environment. 
And we're done. I, I like I like you, Roland. That's a good point. Uh, and and Ken is right too. I mean, it does suck to to mar the surface of of uh, the playing surface of a disc. So I see both sides here. I think this is a must-have compilation. I think that anything that has almost human, the the sadly overlooked ladies' room, radioactive, charisma, plaster caster, love them and leave them. Uh, let's see, come on and love me. Uh, Mr. Speed, All-American Man, right? And then you get, like, you get some great ace stuff. You've got the obvious stuff, but you've also got Speeding Back to My Baby, one of the best songs we, we never really get to hear, right? What's on your mind? Flawless pop masterpiece from Ace uh, that he doesn't play live and ought, and ought to. Save Your Love, Two Sides of the Coin, Dark Light, Into the Void, and then the He's Peter disc. Yeah, and this, and this one with Peter, right? The, the Peter disc has a lot of cool stuff. Right, like you don't get mainline on other compilations. I can't stop the rain. Don't you let me down, right? And and that's the kind of sugar Papa likes. Which which by the way, big mistake. Kiss should have played this song live. It could have kicked ass live. What? Oh my god. <laughs> yep. Yep. I don't care. Wait. Go home. Everybody's gonna you know like listen to that's the kind of sugar Papa likes. And just imagine it. You know, forget about how it sounds. Forget about all of your you know like preconceived notions you may have about. The Peter Chris 1978 solo record. Just imagine that intro. You know, you wanted the best, you got the best, da 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 da. And imagine those drums coming in, and it's not this version, but it's Kiss in playing this song. Playing this song, it's at at you know like they did with everything then, sped up, you know, a little faster, heavier, right? It's not a bad song. It's got great vocal harmonies, and Peter would have sang the 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 heck out of it. You want them to, you would want them to open with this song even. You are, this is the, this is, folks, this is the moment where Gary has snapped. Take the blue pill. We'd like to thank Gary Schaller for his years of service (laughs) to the podcast. (laughs) No, no, great, I'm telling you, great song. Like, listen, go listen to this song again, people. This is a really dynamite song. People! Yeah, people! Go listen to this song again. This is the kind of drumming that Peter is. You're never gonna hear it live. That's right. (laughs) Sadly, you know, and and Kiss cover bands out there who are listening, try it, see what happens. Kiss, you know what? There's that one. The Kiss Army is a tribute band that uh, from the East Coast. They would do stuff like this. They used to open with um, All American Man. Well, so wouldn't my homeboys, Mr. Speed. But uh, right. the, thing, the thing is, is that this would play good at a Kiss convention or expo. Not so much. In front of a concert audience. Yeah, you don't want your first song to be the bathroom song, you know. Oh, ouch! It's a well, great song. He could always play it on Lena. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so screw you guys. I'm going home. It's a great song. So I'm, I'm going to give it a thumbs up for its great packaging just because it's cool. But I hate the fact that you are damaging your disc every time. You take them in and out, and I hate damaging my disc anyway. The the, the must-buys for fans are Originals, Double Platinum, Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits, Killers, Icons, Gold, with the DVD of Kiss Exposed yeah. in it. So those are, what, the top five or six or whatever that a person should buy if, if yeah. you're a KISS fan. They, they should be in your collection. Now, the big question is, pick a compilation for someone who has never heard KISS before. One compilation, doesn't matter whether we've talked about it tonight or not. Icons. Okay, Joe, Joe Casey logs in with Icons. Julian Gill? You know, Icons. From the ones we've talked tonight, it's got them all. Okay. Gary Schaller? I said at the same time Joe said it, Icons. Okay, Mr. Roland Sarazen. I'll have to go with everyone else. It's it's got the most songs and it's uh, got the most diversity in it. Well, I'm going to break from the herd here and I'm going to say Playlist Plus, which is actually a compilation of a compilation. Actually, a compilation of three compilations. Kiss is one of the few bands that can get away with actually having a compilation of compilations. It's actually the Millennium Disc 1, 2, and 3 in one package, and it's called Playlist Plus. And I was given this for a Christmas present, and when I was going to the gym, I ripped this as an MP3 to my MP3 player, and it's a pretty damn good uh, mix of Kiss. You know what? I'm looking at this, and it's really good. There's a lot of very cool material on here. And and all the things that, that are good about Disc 3 of the Millennium compilation make this really cool as well. Here's the one sort of like... All-era-encompassing... But... Compilation. 
But here's the one problem with it, okay? The one problem with it is that you don't get hard, you get hardly any ace vocal, right? You have into the void and that's it. And you know, like, if, if you're gonna do like a kiss compilation, you know, that, and, and not to have shock me, New York groove, you know, and maybe like one of the songs from Di- Dynasty or Unmasked that, that has ace on lead vocals, mm, I don't know. Well, that brings up a very interesting point, and we're just going to give everybody a bonus round. Nobody knows this is coming. I'm just going to throw it out there. We've seen uh, the compilation of the best of the solo albums. We've seen Icon, which actually has Kiss solo albums material on a Kiss compilation. Are the Kiss 1970 uh, uh, solo albums, Kiss uh, albums? Are they are Kiss they? albums or not? You know, you know, let's look at it this way, Ken. You know, these solo albums are not Kiss albums in that only one member performed on each, but does that mean Shandy's not a Kiss song? They were co- they were all written into the Kiss contract, That's and they right. all feature the Kiss logo. They were all released on the same day as part of a coordinated Kiss marketing campaign. So that's why I say yes. Okay, next we have uh, Roland. What do you think? Yeah, just what he just said. That's good. <laughs> comic book guy, Mr. Joe Casey. Uh, I say yes, for exactly that reason. They are are part of the KISS catalog. They're part of KISS's record contract. They're KISS records. Well, I think Gary and I agree. Yeah, they're KISS albums. uh, They played this material live. Uh, New York Groove uh, was in the set list as recently as 1997. Uh, They they're the Kiss logo, and yes, I know One Live Kiss has that logo as well, and so does Gene's book, um, you know. But that has a lot of Kiss material on it. All right, well, that'll probably do it for talking about these compilations. I know that we can never possibly, you know, talk about all the compilations, all the foreign stuff, and all the kind of rare promo stuff. There's things like uh, First Kiss, Last Licks, which is a neat promo compilation that's hard to get your hands on, but kind of worth hearing. And uh, a million other things, but that's why we have future podcasts. And guys, I want to thank you again, invite you all back. Roland, it was great to have you on again. Joe, Julian. Oh, absolutely. Joe and Julian, terrific as always. And we will, you know, we'll make sure to do this another time. Anybody want to plug anything? You know, I think it's important to plug a podcast. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. So everyone listening to this, go listen to podcasts. This was kind of like a greatest hits of discussing the compilation, a compilation of discussing the compilations. Right. Now, everyone go and listen to the studio version of Rock and Roll All Night. (laughs) And that's our show. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podkist.com. If uh, you have any suggestions, comments, or just want to talk to us, drop us a line at podkist.com at gmail.com be sure to check out James's other site which is called zombiefaq.com for all you white zombie fans it's the place to be a big thanks to Julian and all of our friends over at kissfaq.com big thanks to all of our pals at mykisslife.net Keith LaRue and all the staff over at kissonline.com they do a great job representing the hottest band in the land our good buddy Ken at his website which is called kissfansite.com thanks for all you do for the podcast your great graphics if you have a kiss related website site and want us to uh, mention it in the show notes or uh, possibly talk about it on the air, just let us know and we'll see what we can do about that. As James mentioned, be sure to check out KISS Online for links to all the individual band members' websites. And as always, a big thanks to Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinny Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memories of the late, great Eric Carr, and the late, great Mark St. John. You are KISS. And we are your army. Thanks for listening. Good night. For every KISS fan who bitches that there have been too many compilations and that they're garbage, number one, KISS has very little to do with them. Number two, they sell. So They sure do. And, and, end of topic right there, really. I feel like Peter Tork from the Monkees right now. What? <laughs> <laughs>